Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Italian American podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about their heritage. We talk to experts, authors, and everyday Italian Americans on all things Italian from traditions, culture, food, genealogy, travel, and more. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and I have with me my co-host, Dolores Alfieri. And in today's episode, we're going to bring back Cassandra Santoro of Travel Italian Style to talk about the mental and emotional preparation for reuniting with family in Italy, or just this idea of visiting your ancestral villages. What's up, Dolores? How are you? I'm doing well, Anthony. Excited for this episode. As I mean, I feel like I say that in every intro because... <laughs> I really am always excited for every episode. In this case, you know, you and I have been talking so much lately about the different levels that the journey to deepening your Italian-American heritage, you know, can take you through. And more and more, this return to Italy is just becoming kind of the ultimate step. And we're really exploring more and more how important it is. So that's that's really why this episode's a special one. We really want to get our listeners on board with understanding that idea as well. Yeah. And I will just take a minute here to mention that my book, 40 Days in Italy, Con La Mia Familia, will be out June 13th, which I'm excited about. And Cassandra Santoro of Travel Italian, so I wrote the foreword for the book and, you know, Dolores and I have partnered up with her as of recently on this idea of trying to help get more Italian Americans back to their ancestral villages. Because I know for me, you know, my whole process of doing it, which I kind of detail in the book, just completely changed the depth of my Italian heritage, like Dolores just, just referenced. And, you know, going through that process, then Dolores and I interviewing Cassandra the first time and getting to know her, it just kind of fell into place that we need to kind of team up with her and help more of our listeners and other Italian Americans get back there. So we're just really excited about it. And what we talk about in this episode is this whole idea of, you know, like in my book, I talk about how I planned the trip, how I learned Italian, how I found my relatives and all that stuff. And that's really what I consider, you know, the kind of task list of things you have to do, the physical items you have to do, the busy work you have to do to get it done. What we got into in this episode is this emotional aspect of actually going back there, right? Like all this other stuff is done and now you're going somewhere, which for most of our listeners is going to be Southern Italy, just because, you know, as we talk about almost 90% of Italian Americans, their families came from Southern Italy, which is not Rome. It's not Florence. It's not Venice. And that's kind of what we get into in this episode. And Dolores, maybe you could talk a bit about our new book club, which also ties into this. So in our new neighborhood, and for those of you who are not familiar with the new neighborhood, it is our one of our newest ventures. It's a private online community for passionate Italian Americans who want to connect with one another and deepen their heritage. 
it's been so much fun. And I think that both Anthony and I would agree. It's actually just become so much more vibrant and successful than even we imagined. And we actually had high hopes for it. So we're really excited about it. And one of the things we're doing, we just recently started our first book club. We want this to be a repeat thing, but we started with our first book and we are reading together Carlo Levy's Christ Stopped at Eboli. And we chose this book because it really paints a vivid portrait of what life would have been like for our Italian ancestors in Southern Italy a long time ago. And that's very important to know. So if you haven't joined the new neighborhood yet, there's still time to even join us on this first book club and to be a part of it. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you haven't joined, you can visit italianamericanexperience.com forward slash new neighborhood. All right. So we're excited for that for sure. I've, I've yet to read that book. I know Dolores, you read it a while ago. I just started it and already 20, 30 pages in. It's just don't even want to put it down. It's really interesting to me. So it is. I also want to mention that in our story segment at the end of this episode, we have a recording from one of our listeners, Antoinette. Uh, Antoinette is about 80 years old and she took the time to do a really beautiful recording talking about how her family immigrated here, where they came from, and some of the research that she's done, which has gone back hundreds of years, and, and I'll leave the rest for her to tell, but it was a pretty pretty moving recording that tied into exactly kind of what we're talking about today and going back and kind of figuring out you know, who you are and where you came from. So before we introduce Cassandra, we'd like to offer a brief word from our sponsor, the National Italian American Foundation. I'm John Viola, president of the National Italian American Foundation proud supporters of the Italian-American podcast. At NEF, we see ourselves as the leaders of the Italian-American community, and we work hard to protect our great heritage, to promote the Italian language, to build stronger ties between Italy and the United States, and to serve as your voice in our nation's capital. Most importantly, with over a million dollars a year in scholarships and grants, our work provides young Italian-Americans help in earning a solid education and becoming future leaders for our community. To find out more about how your support serves the community, visit us online at www.niaf.org and become a part of the NIAF family. All right, now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's episode, Cassandra Santoro, who is also a guest on episode 32. Cassandra is the CEO and founder of Travel Italian Style. As a personal trip planner and luxury small group tour operator, Cassandra is an expert in slow travel and authentic and inspiring experiences throughout Italy. She also leads motivational talks and can most recently be found at TEDx DHBW Mannheim. All right, Dolores, why don't you give us a quote to bring us in here? This quote is from Gunter Grass. Homeland is something one becomes aware of only through its loss. All right, and now we are excited to welcome back Cassandra Santoro to the Italian American podcast. Cassandra was uh, back on episode 32 where she talked about how she experienced a tragedy uh, losing her father that inspired her to take this trip to Italy. And she now runs a company called Travel Italian Style where she helps people go back and discover their roots and go back to their ancestral villages. Cassandra, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Hi, Cassandra. Hi, Dolores. <laughs> so we, we invited Cassandra to come back on today because we've been thinking a lot about traveling back to Italy, back to our ancestral villages, 
Dolores and I have been talking about it a lot. I mean, the bottom line with what we do is we try to help Italians deepen their heritage, and there really isn't a better way to do that than to actually go back and walk on the ground in the town where your family came from. And my book, 40 Days in Italy, Con La Mia Familia, which will be out soon, is where I kind of detail how I went about doing this over the last three years, finding my relatives there, learning Italian, going back. But that part of my book is very mechanical, right? Like, go online, you do the research, you find the stuff. And then if you're lucky enough, you can plan a trip and you can go back. But then there's this emotional roller coaster ride that is going back. And today we're going to talk a little bit about, you can't 100% prepare for it, but some things you can think about and the mindset you can get into kind of before you go back, because it may not be, you know, not that it's not a great thing to do, but Southern Italy is just different from Northern Italy. That's really one of the main things I think we'll talk about in this episode. It's not like you're going to Rome or Venice or Florence. So I guess, Cassandra, why don't we start by just talking a little bit about some of the things that you might do when you help Italian-Americans find their ancestral village and set them up with a trip back there. What are some of the things that you're telling them in preparation for the trip? Yeah, sure. Just as you stated with your book, go through some of the mechanical and, you know, the typical travel um, advice that I give to all my clients traveling to Italy, how to prepare and, you know, with your credit cards and all that good stuff to know before. But really, we talk about the importance of a lot of things. When you go to Southern Italy, they do still speak dialect. They mostly speak Italian. Uh, they still go with the traditions of closing between the hours of, you know, 2.30 and 7 p.m. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> they're, they're still doing it, you know, because yeah. a lot of the uh, Florence and Milan and Rome even parts of the Amalfi Coast, they don't close anymore. And so people go to these places first, and then they say, wait a second, like, you know, then they go to a place like Sicily, and they said, you know, they're a little confused and miss out, right? Because you may take the train at two o'clock and arrive in a town and there's nowhere to go. But it's also, I tell people to take advantage of that time. I think when the town is quiet and you can walk down the streets and literally hear the plates banging and the and the family speaking and seeing the kids play, you know, soccer in the piazza, that's where you get a real sense of your family and, and things start to click. So there, you know, it's sort of like it can be frustrating for someone who's looking to go on a heritage but really just explore the town on vacation. But luckily, my clients get very excited about things like that, too. So there's, you know, those are some of the quick tips that I give everybody just for when they're exploring on their own, going to these small villages. Right. And I, I think, Dolores, I think one of the things that you and I talk about a lot, which we can build on from what Cassandra just talked about, is this idea of this taking a break in the middle of the day. It's kind of like this... You know, we're, we seem to be programmed, I think a lot of Italian Americans, like we talk about with this like 150 mile an hour outlook, because I don't know, because it's ingrained in us. Like we don't stop. We work hard. We work all the time. We don't know how to slow down in many, <laughs> speaking for myself. <laughs> yeah. But when you go, so when you go to these towns and you experience this break in the middle of the day, it's, it's like half frustrating as anything. And then it's half like, this is really cool. I wish we could kind of do this at home. But then you're like, no, nah, this would never work. So. Anthony, when, yeah. you, when you were in Italy uh, last summer with your family for 40 days, I, you know, we obviously we spoke a lot. And I think I told this story at some point in an episode past. But for me, it always happens when I go to Italy. I, it, the first week, 
And of course, you know, I, I know about the whole town closing down. Right. So I anticipate it. And for the first week I get like really into it, you know, so I'm, I'm eating pasta at noon, I'm drinking wine and bread and cheese, all of that. Then I go, I take a nap I get really into the swing of things. But I'll tell you by the, by the end of the first week, even like a week and a half, I'm like, okay, I, I got to go home. Like I'm, I can't, eat pasta. I can't drink any more wine. I can't nap anymore. You know, the, the American comes out in me and I have to start approaching the vacation from a different angle. And me, and maybe that's when I start doing, you know, without realizing it, what you just said, Cassandra, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I would sit maybe on the porch and just listen, read, write, just look around, go for walks and you take everything in, in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really makes you sit back and think, uh, like you both are just saying, about your life. And that's why travel is so life-changing, because besides the family heritage, it's like you kind of have to sit back and reflect on yourself and why you're there and how you got there. So it's it's a it's a beautiful process. But I definitely relate to the eating so much pasta after a week. You're like, I just need a salad. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I'm like, I just want some green juice. How hard is that? I know. I'm with you. Yeah. And I think, too, an important thing for us to talk about in this episode is, and I understand that our listeners are different ages, different experience levels. You have different understandings of where you came from. Some of you might know, you know, some of you might have, who knows, grown grown up part of your life in Italy. Some of you may be third or fourth generation and you're just learning about this stuff now. And I think Dolores and I both have different perspectives, which is helpful for us. But one of the things just to think about is roughly 85% of Italian-Americans' families came from Southern Italy, which is something that you know I learned more about since we've started doing the podcast and went to museums and read books and did the research. And Southern Italy is was basically and still is a lot farms. Back when our uh, my great-grandparents came, they were mostly peasants. When the country of Italy unified in the late 1800s, they raised the taxes because they wanted to get the peasants out of the country. And that's why many of our families came here. And that's how they got here. And getting bookish on us. Well, no, but I mean, it just, it isn't, it, 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 I, I guess like some, so, like, listen, no, before right. I started this podcast, I, I, I wasn't thinking about this either. Like, I'm thinking, like, I had Absolutely. only been to like Rome and I've been to like Florence and I've been to like Venice. So I'm thinking, oh, my family came from there. And yeah. I couldn't have been further from. <laughs> right, right. No, and you're right. No, the, and the taxes and all of that stuff that happened, it is important for us to know, you know, that's why you're Italian American because of the yes. things that happened, you know, before unification and after. Right. And so I think, I think when you take the trips back, knowing all this stuff is really interesting and it, it helps you to get so much more out of your trip. Like if I would have taken the trip I did this past summer, two years ago, I definitely would not have appreciated as much because I didn't, un- because, you know, Dolores and I have been doing so much with the podcast and the research and everything. I had a much better understanding of what Southern Italy was like and where my family came from. And when I was there with them, um, I had more of an understanding. And even like, you know, when I visited my family, in Salerno, who has the farm, you know, their entire life is built around their farm and what they do. I mean, that's what they do. So like they would say, come over for dinner at nine o'clock at night. And I'd be like, what the, what the hell do they mean? Nine o'clock at night. I, I mean, I got three <laughs> kids. My, my daughter's like four. How are we going to make it? So then, then what you realize is like, you know, they get up in the morning, they work on their farm really hard. They take a long break in the middle of the day. They eat, they relax, they, you know, enjoy each other's company. Then they get out there again on the farm and they'll work to like seven, eight at night. 
when it's a little bit cooler and then they'll have like a late smaller dinner and that's, that's it, you know? And that's like, this is not just because it's, there's very specific reasons that they do this. And I think knowing this going into it, it will help you to really appreciate their lifestyle and, you know, the lifestyle that I guess we ultimately came from. Yeah. My relatives, they don't have a farm and they do the same thing. Okay. Like, I mean, the late dinner. I don't know, Cassandra, if you find, is that normal just throughout Southern Italy? Anthony and I just have interesting families. No, no. It's actually another point I was going to make was you're, you will go to a place like Sicily or Calabria and there won't be a restaurant open until eight thirty nine o'clock. And you know, a lot of Americans eat at six o'clock. So this, I mean, we're, we're actually getting more and more into the European culture as I'm noticing as New York, I'm not sure if the both of you have seen the scene, but I'm, you know, this is a major thing. And no matter how many times you tell people, they're still like, wow, I couldn't even like sit down until 830, you know, (laughs) but yes, definitely goes on everywhere down there. Yeah, it's really Wait, why do you feel like it's happening here? What do you mean? No, I feel like I actually have seen it as a positive change. I see that we're getting, I don't know, maybe it's just my age. Maybe it's, I'm just seeing things different, but I'm seeing people have a drink after work, like alcoholic and non-alcoholic, like a little time to relax, like a died, like an aperitif, you know, an uh-huh, aperitivo. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then they're, then they're going to dinner. Like I, right. I'm seeing it more and more with like colleagues and people in the business. It's, it's kind of great because that's one really, really important aspect of the Italian culture that I always wanted to see more here in America that like, let's not just rush and eat our dinner and then go to bed and like start over. It's like, Hey, let's just like relax end our day, make some room for some food, you know, then enjoy our dinner. So not every day, but I'm seeing it a bit more than the past. That's why I like a cocktail at the end of the day. It's the Italian (laughs) in me. (laughs) Blame it on the Italians. I have just a couple of points I want to make for some things that I wish I would have known about Southern Italy before I went on my trip that might be helpful. The first one was definitely their schedule. I don't think it's just Dolores and, and my family. I think that I think that that is pretty much the typical way that most of Southern Italy and even could extend it. I mean, other parts of Italy, too. They eat late. But just knowing that, you know, it's usually a very late dinner, uh, like a middle of the day where you're taking a rest. Like me just knowing that going in with that mindset would have been much more helpful for me. I think because I think that that made our trip hard because we were getting up and going hard like Americans in the morning and not realizing that we needed to extend the day. And then we ended up extending the day. So like by the 40th day, we were like pretty much dead because we were doing like (laughs) American and Italian lifestyles together, which just doesn't work. So that was something that would have been really helpful. The other thing you have to get into the group. You have to. Yeah, you have to take the nap and slow down, you know, even if you can't sleep, but you have to like rest in the middle of the day. And if if you have young kids like me, there's no napping or there's no slowing down in the middle of the day either. So that's also something to consider if you're going to take a family trip, because some of our listeners have reached out to me and said that they're going to go with their families. So that's also something to be aware of and prepare you know, the kids for prepare for that uh, jet lag and all that stuff. That that was something that was good to know. The second thing, which I know Dolores will laugh when I say this, but Southern Italy's Wi-Fi is freaking awful. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's mostly non-existent in a lot of areas unless you get like a, I mean, actually I shouldn't say that because we stayed in like apartments and we probably stayed in like less expensive hotels. We were really on like a strict budget, but if you're in nicer hotels, you might be able to get a bit, some better Wi-Fi. but just in general. And since I took the trip and talked to other people, they agreed with me and they reinforced that the Wi-Fi in Southern Italy is 
is rough. So be prepared for that for sure. Yeah, even in the hotels, Anthony, like even in the five-star hotels, they'll say that the Wi-Fi is included and then maybe you can go to the lobby and get it. It's a, it's a, actually a little bit of a struggle that I've had with my contacts there. Like, just don't say that Wi-Fi is included. It's easier to say it doesn't work, right. you know, but just so everybody's aware, even in the higher-end hotels, just ask before, you know, booking there. Yeah, I think so it's, it's what do you do? Time. How do you keep running your business? Just out of curiosity, I mean, without steady Wi-Fi. I mean, there's ways to go about it. There's different tools. What is that one? There's like the portable, you can get it actually okay. from Tim yeah. there where you can carry it around, but it still doesn't work. I mean, it just, you actually, I mean, it's kind of a blessing in disguise, maybe a day right, or two right. if possible, you know, to right. take off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was in Agrigento and I'm the woman's like, oh, I bought a Wi-Fi thing for you, like a plan for you, the, like the modems over there. Literally a day into my seven day trip, the internet stops working. And I'm like, I, I'm like, you know, trying to text the lady, like, I don't know what's going on. My Wi-Fi's not working. And then she calls me. She's like, I called the store. They said you used up all the Wi-Fi in the first day. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, I was on for like two hours in the morning. Like I used it up for the day. So like, so I guess like if, if I was going back, I would look in, like if you're going for an extended period of time, you can go to the store there and get like your own little modem that you can carry around or something like that, which would definitely be a better option because otherwise it was just really spotty. In fact, I don't even know how Dolores and I did a couple of episodes when I was there. It was like wow. circus, but... But again, you get into the lifestyle. I mean, that's the whole point. You know, you bring who you are and who you are is as American, but also you're you're in southern Italy. So you kind of give up trying to have the kind of Internet connection you have at home. You know, your phone is doesn't work. You just leave right. it. And yes. you, get used to it. Nice. you get used to it. Like you said, like anything else, you get used to it over time. Yeah, go eat some figs, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was that, that's, that is what I did. So so the next thing that I wish I would have known was to eat out as often as possible. Like, you know, I think when you go to Italy, especially with kids, we were kind of like on a budget and, you know, you're used to going to like a place like Rome where if you eat out, you're like dead if you eat out every day because it's so expensive. But in Southern Italy, you can go to these like little family restaurants, little places, and you could eat like like royalty for like not a lot of money and the food is like just as good as probably anywhere else that you'll find like in Italy as far as authenticity and the atmosphere and the people there so that's a one real big positive thing about southern Italy is that you can eat good food very inexpensive and I'm sure Cassandra will agree with that yeah 100 percent and it's it, it's really great because it doesn't matter where you go it's pretty authentic. <laughs> so it's pretty, it's really amazing compared again to Northern Italy, some of the main centers where they say stay at the piazza. In this case, go to the piazza because it's mostly locals and it's mostly, there's not many restaurants in a lot of these towns. So they're all good. Right. And that's really exciting. So take advantage of it 100%. And they're all inexpensive relatively because there aren't a lot of tourists there. They're really for the locals. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what we did every day or at least in every place that we went to in Southern Italy was I went to the supermarket as soon as we got there and I would get a bag of the mozzarella di bufala basically wow. every day with a thing of like <laughs> olives and I would just put it on the counter and like, you leave it out of the fridge, you keep it on the counter in the, in the, in the salt water. 
And the uh, it's the best. And it's just, I just got at the supermarket. I mean, I had, I talked mm-hmm. to people that went to Italy, you know, on all these tours and stuff. And they're like, oh, I didn't see any of that, that mozzarella. Where'd you get it? I'm like, I went to the supermarket and I got it. I was in Southern Italy. I was in Sicily and it was just yeah. like readily available. So, you know, just go to markets, just go to supermarkets. These are like a lot of these places. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's places in Southern Italy that are touristy that are places in Sicily, places in Southern Italy. But for the most part, like most places really aren't, really aren't at all. And, and you can find amazing food for just everywhere, like everyday food. Yes, exactly. I mean, even the, the even if you go to Napoli, I find it's not nearly as touristy, if I may. It doesn't have anything like that as compared to a place like Venice. I mean, Venice is, right. when I went to Venice, it was a long time ago, you know, I was with my family. I don't even remember seeing anything authentic in Venice. I'm sure there's somewhere there there is, but that whole place is kind of a like a Disneyland. Oh yeah. Please. Yeah. Forget about but, that, but I paid for pizza there. Jeez. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Right. Of course, but if you go to Naples, I mean, there's nothing like that. Right. I, I haven't seen anything like that. I don't know about you, Cassandra. No, I agree. I agree. It's most of Southern Italy, like you said. Once you get past a certain point, you're not really ever going to have that problem except maybe like a place like Taramina possibly but it's it's still nothing compared to Venice at all right even even Amalfi you know which is definitely very touristy but it's almost as if the tourists adapt to Amalfi and not the other way around does that make sense yeah yeah exactly like me again main towns like Positano, maybe the actual town of Melfi, but the other ones in between, 100%. I mean, you have two restaurants to choose from, and you're like, this is great. Some of them don't even have menus. Same on the islands, Vizcaya and Progida. So I I agree, because like you said, the people from Naples, that's where they're going on vacation. Exactly. You know, that's yeah. where they're going on the weekend. So you have, they, they want good food, and they know who's coming, not just tourists. So yeah, right. great point. Yeah. Well put. You know, Definitely. Cassandra, just to switch gears slightly, you you know, you do custom travel planning for people who just are not Italian American, of course, and just want to go to Italy. You have a great team there that you work with on the ground in Italy, but you do also focus on heritage tours and as Anthony and I have been talking about more often lately, we are working in collaboration with you to help mm-hmm. our listeners of course experience that because we do think it's the it's kind of the ultimate part of this spiritual voyage we feel as if we're on with our listeners of deepening our roots and our heritage. So I just want to talk a little bit about those tours in particular and what you've seen with some of the people you've helped visit their ancestral towns and even connect with their Italian relatives. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's kind of a similar process as far as like the emotion part of it. They feel excited. Some of them have done research through Ancestry.com or another platform prior, or some of them just come right into it and say, can you get your genealogist to research everything for my family? But they all start out super excited. And then there's always a process where they be, they say like, wow, is this really happening? It's almost, mm. I mean, I'm sure you both can relate, Anthony, especially, you know, going through the 40 days and Dolores even going back home to Naples and visiting family. It's almost because your life is so different in America that you can't really picture this being real. 
you know, they're like, why is this, you know, you, you kind of go to this denial state, but it, believe it or not, like <laughs> it's, a, it's very emotional. You're, you're yeah. going back to when you were a child, you know, or to pictures, to people that you've only heard about from your grandparents or your parents. So I know I went through the same thing. And then, as I mentioned in the last episode, when you step onto that ground and you get there and you have this guide there, like a native guide from your town that speaks your dialect, that already contacted your family, that's so excited to bring you around. You, It's really amazing to see the enthusiasm come back and say, oh, my gosh, this is real. This is happening. It's all paying off. And, you know, it's, it's all different experiences. Our last client, you know, he was able to look through the photo albums of his family. He found his third cousin. The cousin hopped in the car and drove around with him and <laughs> visited other family, you know, like you know, they brought everybody around and they finally, they arranged a big lunch. And he said it was a dream come true because you picture this stuff happening. You remember when you're a kid, but you almost don't think it could be real. It takes some work. It takes, you know, I always say minimum of six weeks. It's, it's not something, especially, I mean, if you have research, it doesn't take six weeks to develop contact with your family. But if you are starting from the very beginning, as Anthony did and Anthony used in his book, I mean, it's an emotional process. So it's kind of just preparing yourself before and just, you know, just being ready for this overwhelming feeling. And that's what I found. So it's it's been really cool to see everybody come back and just say, wow, it really was my dream. You know, I, mm. I just didn't think it would be possible. And to see the pictures and see it come to life is really rewarding. And I think for everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I'll add, there's two points actually I want to make about going to the Ancestral Village. One of them is that Going to the any of your ancestral villages or places of origin is amazing whether or not you have living relatives there. Mm -hmm. I think if you have living relatives there, of course, it might be a little bit extra, a little bit extra special. But just being there and knowing that your family grew up there, you know, walked on those streets, you know, ate at those potential same little restaurants, whatever the case may be, is just amazing experience in itself. And the second point is it's not as difficult as you might think or it's not as as much of a long shot as you may think that someone there is related to you. I mean, a lot of these towns, right. you know, they had several cousins and ancestors that you don't even know about. So when you start to talk to people in the coffee shops with your last name and explain to them about your family, like, you know, they will like might find people. You might find people, you might find things. I mean, I did that when I was there. I mean, it's very, it's a lot more possible than you think. So you don't even have to have documentation or everything mapped out. As long as you, you're going to your ancestral village to experience it, you know, there's a number of things that can happen when you get there. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a great point. And we touched on it earlier uh, when we were talking about between the hours of closure of the restaurant and walking the town. I mean, even yesterday, I was doing a cooking class and it was an Italian cooking class and the smell of the basil, I can literally close my eyes and not only remember being a child and being in my the house of my nonna, my nonna, but it was also, it brought me back to when I went to Kanikati and I was like following that smell because I just wanted to be, you know, like there. I, I in that particular time when I went, the first time I went, I just wanted to go and, and be there and just like understand and have, you know, gelato from, you know, my grandma where she said she always used to get her favorite gelato, whatever it was, pistachio. And I just wanted to experience that first, you know, and then like you said, it's an added bonus. If you can meet the family, that's amazing. And there are 
possibly. And another thing, Anthony, is that these people are excited to meet you too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, they, they just like don't, again, they don't know it's possible. They're just doing their life. They're working on their farm. But when you contact them, they usually get very excited. So yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's nice. It, yeah. it, it, it felt like for me, I was telling people, it felt like my relatives were like, you know, that we had known them like forever. Like they, they would, they drove an hour to meet us at the airport the first day. The entire family was there. They took us out to lunch and then we went to another part of Sicily for a week and then we ended up hooking up with them and then they hung out with us like night and day, whatever we need. They took us everywhere. They cooked for us. And then like they drove another hour to take us back to the airport the last day. So it was basically like when we were there, there was only thing that they had planned on doing was just doing whatever we wanted to do the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Like their life was just on hold until we were gone, basically. When you have to think of how important family is to Italians, I mean, that's why we're always talking about it on the show, how important it is to Italian Americans is because it's it's important to Italians, especially Southern Italians. So I think it makes sense to meet a family member no matter where they're from, you know, and for, for them to react so warmly. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting to think if like, I mean, I know if my Italian family came here, hopefully they will at some point, I'll definitely return the favor and be able to be ready to take them, you know, all over to New York City, to DC, to wherever to give them and show them everything. But it's, I think it'd be more difficult for me to just say, okay, everything that I, all my work, all my stuff is just going on hold for two weeks. And I'm going to just, you know, spend every single second yeah. with them as opposed to them yeah. doing it at the drop of a hat. Again, that goes back to like maybe the Southern Italian mentality versus the Italian American mentality at this point. But that was definitely something that I was kind of thinking about when I was there. It, to me, it was just kind of like, you know, do they want something from us? I don't like, I don't know what the deal is. Like, they're yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah, I don't you know, know what? I, I think that's <laughs> totally natural because you don't know them. You haven't met them yet before, you know, and you, you're still their family, but you're still getting to know them. And our reaction when people are that nice and open their homes and stuff. Why are you doing this? <laughs> well, we're Italian, exactly. Amer Italian Americans from New York. So, I mean, that's going to yes. be our initial response to anybody. Like, you know, we got to go in with our, with our guards up. Exactly. But it was just a really interesting thing to experience and to just know. And really like, as I stayed there for like weeks, you just started to accept it that, you know, that you're the, just that important to them you know, which is great because you just met them. I mean, I just met them. I'm you know, 30, 38 years old, just met them for the first time. And, um, you know, we talked about this when we did the episode when I got back. Dolores and I kind of talked about how, you know, now that relationship can go on. This is just kind of like the beginning of it. It's, it maybe, maybe signifies the end of like some of my research and some of the process of finding them. But now it's the beginning of like the next stage. Right, a real relationship. And I'll yeah. just say this this might be a, a conversation for another show, but for all you first generations out there, I mean, first generations, first generationers, can I say that? For all you first generationers out there, <laughs> I think there's also a long history of the American relatives actually being asked for a lot. So it's kind of funny that in your head somewhere you were like, do they want something for me? Because it's, you know, it's a whole other aspect of um, oftentimes our Southern Italian relatives do because we have a lot more than them. So it's kind of funny to me that you thought that, you know, I wonder yeah. if it's like become in the in the blood. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what I'm saying. I think I think it, and I th it's funny because I think it's in the blood and it comes from them ultimately. Right. Because like or it's it comes probably from our relatives that were there in Italy, in Southern Italy, that were had to protect themselves from other people 
like the people that were trying to kick yeah. them out of the country, they they became guarded and that passed that down to us. And then are adding the fact that we're in New York and all these other aspects. I think, listen, I think the whole process of this podcast of what we're doing, of what Cassandra's doing, of, you know, going through the process of my trip and the book, it just makes you, th- it just makes you really think and understand that a lot of the stuff that we do is not just a mistake. You know, yeah. it's all been, it all, it's all happened to us over time as we've evolved for different, through, through different like generations. And it just, you know, it changes every generation, but, and it evolves a little bit, but it's interesting when you start to really look into it and understand like where it all came from. Yeah, one little funny story is when I was a child, I always used to see my father cut his fruit. He never bit into an apple. He never <laughs> like did he always cut his fruit. He was always he oh you know he eats the orange, he would cut it eight ways, peel it off. And I was always like, "What? Like my all my other friends' dads don't do that, you know? Why is this like, you know?" And so I would follow everything that I learned in school rather than what my family was doing at the table. And when I, you know, it's so silly, but then when you go to Italy and you see the way they eat fruit, even it's just like that one little thing. I was like, Oh my gosh, I resisted that all these years. Cause I was like, you know, you don't even think about it. These small little everyday things that, um, lead up to emotional and, um, beautiful things, but also the small, tiny little things that they do in Italy that you really don't realize that you do as an Italian-American. It's, it's, you know? funny, it's funny you said that because when I was at the farm with my family in Salerno, they had watermelon and cantaloupe from their farm. They're bringing it on the table. And I noticed, so that, I noticed that Aldicio, who's basically, he's like the farmer, he would eat it. Like he was cutting everything up into small pieces. And I'm looking at like my kids like holding the rind and like sucking the watermelon <laughs> down. And him like him like just taking his time slicing each piece with a knife and eating it. And I'm looking at him. I'm like telling Jill like it's interesting. He's eating it like so slow. He's cutting everything up. And that's you kind of just reminded me of that when you said that. You know yeah. what, Cassandra, you're saying it's like little things that you never thought about. And do you know what? I've never mm-hmm. thought about it until you just said it. But I cut up my fruit. Yeah, see, I, know. I cut up everything. Apples, like the cantaloupe, the watermelon, oranges, like, and I put it on a plate and I eat it. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I'm telling you, I've never thought of that. That's funny. So that's you'll become more and more conscious now. It's everything. Yeah. It's and that's spaghetti. only one thing. And that's only the right. one thing. There's other things right. that, that people do that were passed down to them from, you know, it's, I mean, it goes all the way from the recipes to the way people act, to the way people talk, to the things people do. But it is really interesting when you make the full connection and you see someone there doing something that, you know, now you realized, um, you know, that it's because of that, you know? I, yeah, think, no, I, for, I forget what the other thing was. The other thing was that my grandmother, when I, you know, whenever I say thank you to her for something, she always says for nothing. Oh, for nothing. I know. That's a big ah, thing. And I, and then, the and then when I went to the farm, I was saying to them, thank you. So they're like, oh, niente, niente. like it was like automatic. And I kind of put that phrase together right away. I'm like, okay. Cause that's like, this is like my grandmother's family there, you know, wow, that she exactly. never met, that she hasn't met. So, I mean, her, it was you know, her. Her grandfather, her father's ahead, brother. So there's the connection. But it was, these are the kind of things that you see, and you're like, okay, I, I used to hear that growing up in English, obviously. Right. And you know, Josephine, my aunt that we, you know, talked about on the show before. She, if you, if you thanked her, she would always say, "For what?" She's kind of the mm-hmm. same idea. Like, what are you yep. thanking me for? For exactly. what? You know. <laughs> for and nothing, and yeah. my relatives in Italy, actually, my so funny. My mom just came, went, you know, a few months ago, and she came back, and and she brought this up too. 
and they and I said, no, no, um, one of my cousins did that to me the last time I was there where we say thank you for everything. You know, you're passing the cheese. Thank you. And she said that one of her cousins was like, you're very formal. <laughs> and, and because she and one of my cousins did that to me, I mean, you know. To say troppo formale, and I'm like, no, we say thank you where I'm from. <laughs> but that's it's all part of it. It's too much or too formal. It's funny. Yeah, it is that's funny, and it's not like it's not to the point where like that they necessarily think it's insulting, but it's almost like you feel like they, they, you know, like they're just like you don't even. Why would you even say that to me? Like this is just automatic. Like, this is just what I'm right. going to do for you because you're like my family because you're here. Like it's not like you, you shouldn't think of it as, as anything, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just hard for us to turn that off because here it's good manners to say thank you. Right. Exactly. Thank for you. So Cassandra, as we wrap up here, um, I have kind of one question asked two ways. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, taking a heritage trip as we're really encouraging our listeners to do, and, and that's, we, we believe in it so passionately. It's why we started working with you on it is an investment. I mean, we'll be real about it. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's money. Two things. What do you say to people who really want to do this, but they're just like, I can't, it's too much money kind of thing. And also, have you ever had somebody pay for this, invest in it and regret it? I'm going to say first that in everything in life, you have to invest in yourself and into your well-being and to something that you're passionate about. In general, I'm, you know, I'm very spiritual as well. You know, I always tell you guys, but basically I believe that when we push, we always, you know how the life is. You push, you push, you push things. I'll do it another time. I'll save up. I'll save this. And I understand that it's impossible sometimes to actually invest in something. I get it. But if we think about what we spend money on every day, you know, there was a big article that just came out that said, I don't know if you've seen it, that uh, I, I stopped buying avocado toast and I was able to buy a house. Yeah, you have funny. to look it up. Or something like stop buying avocado toast and you can buy a house. And this has right. been all over the internet. And my, uh, you know, financial friends are loving this because they're like, our point proven because they were calculating something crazy like $10,000 for what we spend on fast food in New York. Um, yeah, so or like Starbucks. A, I've read about like, you know, make your own coffee for like instead of going to Starbucks every day, it will save you like $5 a day or something. Yeah, I've already calculated because I brought back, you know, a billete from um, – from Florence and it was I don't even know like I think I calculated like in the first week like $110 I was like I didn't even know I drank that much coffee <laughs> that's a lot um, of coffee but I am like a little crazy that's just shaking but, on yeah, the other so side of the just, mic I know literally you know but yeah that's like the, just a Cassandra preaching but basically I've never had anybody regret it I actually had one man said I'm the same man that has been like raving and crying about me his family but basically that you know, he's been waiting for this his whole life. And he he actually was just waiting until he retired to him and his wife retired because they wanted to make a, a trip, you know, for them in a, in a different way from what I understand or, you know, but really you make a choice in life. And of course, there's different ways to do it. If you just want to experience a town, but you're not ready to invest in the family tree research, that's possible too. So when you go into expectation, like we spoke about a few times today of basically just going and smelling the fresh basil through the window or hearing the sounds of your your dialect of your town, right. uh, that can be rewarding too. So, you know, just think about what you want out of the trip. And just follow your heart because I think that we don't do that as much. And we spoke about it again a few times today, but we're so wrapped up in our lives that we really forget what it is that makes us who we are. 
and where we came from. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely well said. And, you know, listen, one thing just off of what Cassandra said is, I think if you don't necessarily have the money to do it when you're younger and you got to wait till you're retired or older, then, then there's nothing maybe you could do about that. Um, but I would urge you to try to go as early as you can, because like in my situation where I met my relatives there, I can now have a lot of time to spend with them and build that relationship. Um, or if you are older, maybe get your kids involved in the process early on. And even if you don't necessarily have the money now, you can definitely check out my book, 40 Days in Italy. Cassandra will tell you she wrote the forward for the book. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there that you can do on your own or that you can start to do at least maybe while you're saving money to make the actual trip on the back end to start to prepare yourself from a research side of things. You know, even starting to learn some Italian and do some different things like that that can help you get so much more out of your trip. Because really, we what we really want you to do is connect as deeply as you can with your Italian heritage and like I said, walking on the ground there where your family actually came from is definitely the best and the most, you know, real, real way to do it. Like the deepest way to do it, in my, in my opinion. Not to end on a morbid note, but I actually had not thought of this before, Anthony, that you're you're so young and you've connected with your relatives. You can, like you said, you have a lot of years to, to know them and talk to them. And not only that, you know, people pass away. So if you had waited mm-hmm. another 25 years to do this, you know, who knows who you will find there 25 years from now that, right. you know, who, who's there now. I, I really hadn't thought about that. It's, it's a very, it's a very important consideration if, if being in touch with your Italian family is something that is important to you. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and not only that, but on the flip side of that, which I've talked about on the podcast throughout, I probably all of our episodes is the, your family here. Uh, you know, people can pass away in Italy and can pass away here. So, you know, mm-hmm. you can miss out on people there because, you know, they're getting older. And then if your grandparents or someone here, unfortunately, gets older, or they pass, they don't they can't give you the, the information, which is kind of like the key to unlock the history. So you have to think about it in both ways. But that's definitely right. a re- reason to start it earlier rather than later. And we have had quite a few listeners that have emailed Dolores and I saying that because of the podcast, they did start to talk to their grandparents and some of their yeah. elder relatives and they have found some really, really interesting, interesting information. And in fact, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, in my book, I share pictures of the two draft cards that I found online of my great-grandfathers that both immigrated here, but they're draft cards of when they were in the U.S. military and the way that they filled it out in their own handwriting, which is just, it's like amazing stuff. I mean, you can't, you really can't kind of describe this stuff that easily without seeing it. So we just want to thank Cassandra Santoro of Travel Italian Style for coming on the podcast again and sharing some of her knowledge with us. You can go to italianamericanexperience.com forward slash travel and you can fill out a very simple form with some information about you and anything you know to date about your family and potentially schedule a call with Cassandra just to talk about, you know, where you're at and how she may be able to help you make that connection to your ancestral village. And Cassandra, we know that you're getting ready for a big trip to Italy. So we definitely want to kind of wish you the best on your trip. And we really appreciate coming on and sharing this knowledge with our listeners. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you both for having me. And I hope to meet some of the listeners. It is now time for the Italian-American Stories segment of the episode. This is the part of the show where we try to bring you back to your family gatherings, conversations, and we try to play a recording or a story from one of our listeners, 
or our own relatives or even read something that a listener submitted. And we do have a listener recording today. And if you're interested in leaving a short recording of up to three minutes, you can go to ItalianAmericanExperience.com. There's a button on the right side of the site, a bright red button. You can't miss it. And it only goes for three minutes. But if you record for three minutes and you have a little more, just do a second recording. We'll get both recordings. We'll put them together. We would love to hear any of your family stories on here. As I mentioned before, all right, so as I said earlier today, we have Antoinette Miranda, who is one of our listeners. She went to the site and left a beautiful recording about how she did a lot of research on her family. She's nearly 80 years old, and she's went back for hundreds of years in research, back, I think, to the 1600s, and it's beautiful. So here it is. My name is Antoinette Miranda. My grandparents came over, and one set came over from Liberty, 1905, and the other set came over from Salina. These are the Aeolian Islands in 1909. I can relate to what Gay Talese has said about our generation. I was born in 1936, started school in January 1942, right after we went to war. And teachers would tell me in kindergarten, first grade, make sure you speak English at home, tell your parents to speak English at home. My parents were born in this country, but they were well aware that in the Italian home, people still spoke the language of the immigrant. And my grandmother and grandfather, Los Gallo, did live with us. I also just finished, less than a week ago, the book called An Unlikely Union, The Love-Hate Relationship Between the Italians and Irish in New York City. And the author, Paul Moses, who is an Italian-American too, tells the story so beautifully what it was like to grow up in New York City with such strong prejudice between these two ethnic groups and why. I am proud of my heritage. I went back to the islands and I am a, my hobby is doing the genealogy. I've gone back as far as 1631 on one side or early 1700s on the other. And um, I'm working on a total of six branches of that tree very interesting work. I have not relied on the internet so much as making a trip to Australia as well as to the Aeolian Islands to interview my living relatives. Thank you. All right, so I hope you enjoyed this episode where we kind of dove into going back to Southern Italy and the emotional side of it. And then Antoinette's beautiful recording there at the end. I'm going to kick it over to Dolores here to take us out of this one. Okay, Anthony, I want to start by reading a new iTunes review that we have. This one is from Carl Anthony and it's another five star review. And he writes great show. My mother and I love to listen to the podcast. It brings back memories from the past and optimism for the future of our Italian heritage. Our whole family are members of NIAF, and my son received a NIAF college scholarship. Grazie, Carl Anthony. Carl Anthony, thank you so much, and thank you to all of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review. 
these reviews are important because iTunes kind of bumps you up the list and makes you more visible the more reviews you have. So if you are enjoying the show and you can take the time, please go to iTunes and leave us a review from your heart. We really appreciate it. Other than that, Anthony, everyone can find us on social media. We are on Instagram at Italian American. We are on Twitter at Ital American. And we are on Facebook at Italian American Podcast. Da nostri cuori! 